Previously on Talking Joe. And it's about 10 minutes away from hitting this castle. I'm about to get my Joes out, position them all around this castle, unlike some sort of silent castle siege, and see if the the, uh, seawater, the tide, can collapse it all. I've gone to my bag, which was positioned about 10 metres away from the sandcastle. Three nine or ten-year-old girls come running over, trampled the whole castle. Oh, what do you do, Chief? Your blood must have boiled, but... You well, dare not be that old coot. Ah, you little shit. No. Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey, 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 it's me, Chief Dog. You can't stop talking Joe, that's right. And uh, I am here with my new co-host. Uh, it's Mr. Mark Seddon. How are you, sir? Very good. Hey, 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 everyone. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome, everyone, to Mark Listen, uh, let's cut to the chase. Uh, let's find out your creds because you have jumped into this puppy. Uh, S-Jub's body is still cold on the slab. He's not even planted six feet under yet and you're already in the hot seat. So, I'd uh, say warm. Warm, if anything. <laughs> he's, he's kept it warm for you. <laughs> let's find out straight up front uh, your credentials. What's your Joe creds? What's your, your bona fides? Where are you coming from? And uh, what experience have you got to be alongside the legendary Chief Doggy Dog in the Talking Joe studio? It's, it sounds like you've regretted not looking at my CV. but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, all, by his regret. All kidding aside, uh, Mark is a um, friend of the show, one of the uh, opening, one of the um, founding people on the Talking Joe uh, Facebook group, uh, contributor, uh, a friend of mine personally, and um, very well versed in the world of Joe. And yet again, I feel like uh, when, when I was on with Ben, I felt like I had this superior joe knowledge at least but now now uh with mark coming on i feel like for three times in a row i'm actually um going to be bowing down to his knowledge but um yeah tell us about joe for you in your childhood and you know all the different content and how what it meant for you yeah so so sort of firstly yeah big fan of the show we've sort of been discussing the, the show since before it even began and, he, and even been discussing whether i join join on the on the show before now so so it's sort of a yeah a, lo- a long time uh, a long time that we've that we've been talking about all of this this stuff big fan yep. of the show been part of that that ride love the the work that ben chris s jobs have done i love ben's enthusiasm and and that ability to keep you in check you know <laughs> <laughs> let's move on <laughs> uh, i think yeah all of all of chris's bedoying you know i'm not necessarily going to replace that but i could try and all of uh steve's sesquipedalian loquaciousness you might say uh, nice um so yeah i've uh, <laughs> yeah i've been a big uh, fan of gi joe big fan of the pods real word friends for quite a number of years now so yeah. i thought i'm gonna cut heck? you off there i did we meet at rollout roll call convention yeah that was that was the first time that we met at that ah. that rollout roll call i'd met and your brother at um thought bubble i think the year before maybe or not? yeah that's right yeah you'd met peter okay. once before at thought bubble i think and and made an impression on him and <laughs> uh, yeah we sort of he introduced us and sort of got got chatting and, and i saw your gi joe binds and was like what that's magic right. is this that's right and i yeah. think that's what sealed it was going this this guy has yeah. got the stuff but you, but you were a, you were a comic fan you know from childhood as well and yeah was so, joe did you have the toys as a kid absolutely so so i i think what really uh, it's sort of about the same time i really uh, got into joe it was probably around 1985 at the age of about seven and I was getting the Battle Action Force uh, weekly comics. I was getting a uh, subscription from the local news agent where they'd, you know, write your address on the top corner of the of the book and you'd get it sort of shoved through your letterbox. 
and yeah that that only sort of lasted until november 1986 so it was quite an actual short period that i was collecting it but it felt felt like forever uh, yeah. forever and i was i was just like getting into the uh, toys around about that that same period and yeah like you i think like one of my very first ones was mutt with junkyard oh, wicked. On, the, on the palatoy uh box and do you, do you have any of those older joes still uh, i don't yeah so we could get, get into that in a second i'll talk okay. about the the, okay. the toys but uh yeah the so after the bad selection force uh, it was cancelled. It was like sort of devastating to to me. They in the pages of that battle, they tried to replace it because they'd lost the license with a thing called Stormforce, uh, which you know it had Vanyo on art, so it was still very good, but it wasn't wasn't yeah. the same un- until and it felt like it had been gone for years and years and years. And I just looked at the dates, and it so it was off the shelves in November 1986. Marvel UK started again February 1987, so just a handful of months. But as a, a young right. seven year old it felt like i was in mourning that i'd missed this <laughs> lost this massive thing from my life it was you know it's only a handful of mu- months it was you know uh, around about the same time to cover a four issue art on one podcast yeah right and then it just sort of you know you don't have exposure at that i guess that age but also that time about what's in the pipeline in terms of comics coming out and a toys coming out and stuff like that so to when i saw uh, the action force uk comic that was just like whoa where's this come from this is amazing and and, and along with it all of the gi joe uh, toys that that first uh, hasbro wave with you know duke uh, not duke uh, flint and uh, snake eyes and all of those guys and yeah it was yep. sort of ravenous about collecting gi joe toys tried to get as as many as as i could like Chris had a, an amazing trip to uh, the States where scooped up basically the entirety of uh, the uh, the year's releases that, nice. that, were, that were there that year. So it got like the uh, Sergeant Slaughter with his Warthog as, as a vehicle and almost all of the, the carded figures that I could find in, in Toys R Us, which was just like this incredible toy palace that they visited. And then ha- and uh, obviously getting the G.I. Joe comics as, as well once I discovered that the you know american marvel comics existed and, and got the entire run up to 155 at the the time and then it all came back with devil's due and that sort of reignited my my interest and i sort of familiar you know for it re-familiarized myself with with the the, the toys and the, yep. the comics and all of that kind of stuff i got big back into it in a big way and, and me and pete um actually went on on ebay during a bit bit of that sort of early ebay days where right. where the toys weren't too expensive and actually pretty much got every single figure from year nor up to up really? to the end of that that period and then just got a little bit burnt out on it i think and and uh, peter ended up selling most of it on ah. on ebay again so reduced the collection practically back down to to zero held on to a, a, a few figures which i've now got and and given it give it to the kids and and yep. you know they're big into playing with with those all right well it sounds like we've got the right man for the job in the uh, co-host seat so that's a good start uh let's find out in a minute what he thinks about the current run of comics but before we get to that we've got a new segment it's called action figure fiasco Action figures We all love them 
action figures They bring us joy in our daily lives Action figures Evoking memories from our childhood But now we're grown and we just can't stop Buying plastic till our wallets pop When will it end? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA Some people say maybe we've gone a little wacko But action figures bring us joy like a rainbow They are so hot like a splash of Tabasco now it's time for action figure fiasco Now it's time for action figure fiasco Right, yeah, this is a new segment. We will, don't worry you toy fans, we will have a vintage toy segment later in its usual spot following the comic talk. But we've got a new segment where, as regular listeners will know, the Chief has been throwing his money down the drain in that collecting hole called Six Inch Action Figures. And I pretty much get a delivery every single week of a piece of plastic that I don't need in my life. And what we're going to do here is we're going to have a little look at what has come through the mailbox this week for the Chief. So, just going to reach over into the cabinet. As it is a G.I. Joe-themed podcast, let's start with a G.I. Joe. And I've got myself here a uh, six-inch classified line, Snake Eyes. Uh, you own this figure, I believe, as well, Mark. Yeah, I got them. I got the whole first wave when it first came out. So, yeah, okay. interested to so, hear what you think. First thing I'm going to say is, on cosmetically, this figure looks great looks really good i was a little bit concerned that he seems to have a bit of a pea head the head looks a bit undersized let me just grab a uh let me grab a wolverine here let me grab a wolverine okay so i know even though this is hasbro marvel legends hasbro black series star wars hasbro but they still skew a little bit differently on the scales even though they're all made by the same company they're yeah. all six inch figures but this is not too bad wolverine is probably a little bit too tall when stood up against the snake eyes and his head looks a bit more well proportioned but i don't think snake eyes head i think it looks a bit undersized but it's nothing too concerning um fantastic articulation loads of weaponry here two gripes i've got one is his torso is very loose like on the ab crunch but if he's in a standing up position that top it does kind of hold is yours a bit loose it is very okay. yeah loosey-goosey yeah Love the texture on these trousers, you know, almost kind of a matte, roughish feel, as opposed to there's some glossy parts of armour pierce, armor pieces on his um, upper body. The, the grenade belt I would probably lose because it kind of uh, is a bit loose and swings around a bit. And the other problem I've got is the backpack, even though the strut on it goes through the um, that, that grenade bandolier yep. and then into his back it doesn't kind of sit flush on his back on my version okay just kind of rides up a little bit yeah i think i think because of the bandolier and stuff that you're fitting in them two of them together it does it doesn't yep. completely fit perfectly and i think it, it it's quite loose so yeah would probably wouldn't stay on with uh, but you with can you can get him into loads of cool poses the ankle's got a really nice rocker on it um there's loads of movement in um you can get his bicep 
it's a double jointed elbow. He can go past 90 degrees. Um, loads of ninja poses he can get him into here. The I, I'm not sure about the weaponry. The knife is cool, um, but obviously this line is going for a bit of a futuristic vibe, which is why they've kind of given him these sci-fi guns. Yeah. Easily swapped out, I would imagine, with some kind of either Call of Duty guns or some, I guess, um, generic um, six-inch scale pack of guns. Is that what do you think? Yeah, there, there's ver- there's various packs out there that people are using as, as replacements. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned before on 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 chat that that um, the Iron Grenadier, the vintage, vintage Iron Grenadier, which has that oversized Uzi for oh, yes. for a small figure, yeah. that actually fits in Snake Eyes' hand not too not too bad. And okay. actually, you can still pop on the uh, the silencer on the end of that. Right, I'm going to uh, check that uh, out. I don't uh, mind the pistol too much that he comes with here, apart from the the hole it's got in it. Yeah, because obviously the hole is there to go onto the strut of the of the futuristic submachine gun yeah, but and, and there's no the there's no oh he has got a trigger there's no trigger on the on the gun either there's a trigger on the pistol which isn't no i'm looking at it now actually it's not that good <laughs> it's, yeah the, i think that's probably the weakest point of that that figure and actually the deluxe version of the figure yes. did come with a i think an uzi all um, oh, right so it's got more realistic. Okay. But overall, overall, uh, pretty pleased that I have got the other Wave 1 figures, so I'll probably open one of those up later on today at the weekend. Uh, maybe we'll feature that on next week's episode. But I have got one other to discuss, um, and let me just get it out of the cabinet. And it is the 6-inch 40th anniversary Boba Fett figure. Ooh, nice. The Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary, and this figure looks incredible. The sculpt on it, the paint, um, the the moulding, everything looks great on this figure. I do have one big beef with it, though, and that is there are moulded pouches kind of hanging off his belt, and for that reason, you cannot raise his legs upwards. Mm. You know, you can't do a can-can front kick (laughs) because they just get in the way, and that is... Really, if he's Gonna, a display figure in your case, just in a kind of standard neutral pose, that's fine because you don't need him doing anything. But if you're into toy photography or anything like that, then you're going to struggle to get dynamic poses out of him, which is a real shame. And it's it's really nixed your Moulin Rouge uh, Star Wars diorama that you're planning. Exactly. I was well into build. I was about 50% into building that stage. So I'll have to think of something else for Disappointing. that. Disappointing. And I saw the photo of that. Does it come with like uh, that clear display stand? So no. So I had here? I'll put the post, the pictures up on the socials. Um, it, I had bought some stands that come with almost like arms that you can ratchet around in different positions. It's got a little grabber hook, so you can. It's for flying figures or figures with jetpacks, so you can pose them almost mid air. And I bought that separately on eBay, but that will clamp around pretty much any six inch figures waist but uh, he looks lock he looks very cool i suppose you don't need the the knees to be coming up when he's in the flying poses but he looks really cool on that so yeah um excellent and more... i've got a big question for you before, yeah, go on. before we move on has mrs chief noticed all of these packages arriving uh i well yes to a degree but i i if I, if something does come and she's in what i generally do is and she hasn't noticed that the postman's been i put it in the outside shed and then when she's gone to pick up the kid from school, I run down, get out of the shed, and get up into the loft before she can see. There we go. There you go. Uh, tricks of the know. trade right there. 
Uh, right, that's enough action figure talk. Uh, what? Let's talk about what the the show was founded on, and that is comics. So it's time for comic talk. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them cheap, and Mark discusses them. Whoa, comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them cheap, and Mark discusses them. Whoa. Okay, doing things a little bit differently now on Talking Joe. Uh, we've got someone else who's going to guide us through the comic talk. Take it away. Favourite cover. Okay, so we're going to look at favourite cover. Rather than go through every single cover, because there's variants, we've got four issues to cover here, 226 up to 229. Uh, let's just pick out our favourites. So uh, I'm going to go first, actually, here. So I really like the standard cover by Gallant to issue 227. And this is... Cobra Commander, hands behind his head, Destro and Baroness behind him, kind of wrist rocket poised for his head, Baroness is loading her Luger, and Cobra Commander doesn't look too afraid, he's got the eyeliner on his mask, which is nice touch, but um, I just kind of like the simplicity of this one, it looks almost like blood splatter on the wall behind him as well. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, the colorist there adding a little bit of uh, texture yeah. just to make sort of make the image pop a little bit. Yeah, more. do you like this one? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that that Gallant sort of developed this this look for for Cobra Commander with that eyeliner eyeliner slit. Yes. Um, yeah, it feels like almost it's it might be homaging something or referencing something, but I can't quite put my finger on. Right. Okay. On what it You're is. normally pretty good at spotting the the homages. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Given a bit of and, research, you can maybe well maybe you'll find something. But um, does he does he normally have those big gold circle clasps on his cloak? I can't uh, remember. I've definitely seen them before. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I think depends on the on the look. But okay. did you notice there on the cover we've got Destro appearing with his his scar, which in the previous issues was has been a little bit on and ah. off. And do you know can do you know where that's from? Where no where did, I I probably do but I've forgotten where did he get that from? So that was in the the showdown at the uh, the Silent Castle that they they had with the Blue Ninjas and you might remember oh. that he was mashed up in the face with uh, an en- energy saber and at the time he he said that his mask of marriaging Molly Steel is the strongest metal on earth and impervious to an energy saber uh, which is clearly destro bs because now he's left with a scar and and i think sort of in the last couple of issues uh, they've been a little bit inconsistent in, of the inking of it so sometimes it looks like it's there sometimes less so but i think now it's canon that, that destro uh, destro's mask has a okay a scar. well the one thing i'm gleaning from that is it's good that you're on because that's the kind of uh, picking peanuts out of poo that s jobs <laughs> would have done so good good we're carrying on that trend i like it i like a man who is picking out the details so well done for that oh yeah uh, I was thinking also we haven't really given Mark a name when I say we I mean me so <laughs> I was thinking um, when we did a test record you put up Marky Mark as your as your name and I think Marky Mark is you know it's been done before but obviously Marky Mark was with the Funky Bunch so that's your new name Funky Bunch okay <laughs> right so let's see fun- let's see if we if we can improve on that over so, the course of that. <laughs> uh, Funky Bunch what's your favorite oh cover? dear I don't know if I'm going to answer this, but um, so I think my favourite is actually two two six. So that's the one, the of, regular one, the regular two two six with uh, SLL Gallant cover yeah. with Snake Eyes on the front there in his new outfit. That yes. Doubtless, we'll talk about a bit later. Front and centre, shooting, uh, um, you know, towards the audience, and uh, flanked by Scarlet and, and Stalker on either side. Yes, yes. and. 
I think, I strongly think that that is actually uh, an homage to the classic issue four, which ah. featured Hawk in on, on the front in a beret, sort of in that pose of sort of having a pistol in his hand and shooting towards the audience, flanked ah. by uh, Scarlet, Stalker, Rock and Roll. I'm just looking it up now. Joe Flash rock and roll in the background some other character i've forgotten to mention uh yeah oh yeah and, i see it yeah 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 and funny enough that is actually the cover that i've just had uh, a commission based on by uh, ian kennedy the mighty ian kennedy that yes. actually arrived in the last uh, week so I'll and the chief that. dog has been privileged to have been shared that um obviously i'll let you share it on the socials but uh, it is an app absolute corker that is um when when you see that listeners you will literally blow your nutsack off it's that good <laughs> so maybe if you, if you like your nutsack don't 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 view yeah, that be image, careful but uh, it's yeah. incredible well done sir well done yeah your, your berries will be buzzed at the very least your berries yeah. will be buzzed yes yes so all right well let's uh, just have a quick recap so we know where we stand i just wanted to, to mention the, the i guess an, another little detail on yeah. the covers 227 classical variant so a nicely painted sort of style. Oh, uh, yeah. I've only got the small little thumbnail for that one. Yeah. Um, so does it look got... nice in full image? Well, yes. It's based on uh, based on the classical painting, which was the theme for these variants that particular month. They had like duck tails in the style of Van- Vincent van Gogh and, and that ah, kind of thing. Okay. So this, this one with Cobra Commander on the horse was actually a reference to Napoleon crossing the Alps by ah. Jacques-Louis David. Right. Painted in... 1801 so, very good and and there's another variant which uh, is a homage did you spot it uh probably not no me <laughs> so let me point you towards issue 229 and the cover of cover it's by robert atkins of baroness hugging a gravestone yes no oh that's a daredevil Ring bells daredevil yep, that's it frank miller that's it. Frank Miller, The Mighty, issue 182, where Daredevil's hugging yeah. that Electra headstone. Yeah, yeah. And also, quick, now I'm on there, quick shout out to Brian Shearer for his subscription cover for that issue as well. I really like that one, Deep Six and um, Shipwreck um, with Polly. Just loads of guns pointing at him. It's just like a fun, fun cover. Yeah, it's got that vibe of, I think it was one of the G.I. Joe uh, animated series sort of intros where, where I think Shipwreck or Deep Six is kind of... Uh, in in that sequence where they're kind of uh, I guess walking along and get spotted or something like that, but um, I don't right. know if that's my imagination, but okay, uh, that kind of vibe. No, good stuff, good stuff. I'm glad to, uh, we paused to cover those actually. Um, okay, right. So last time on a real American hero, Cobra Commander believes he's disposed of Cobra members that were planning to strike against him, but with Destro saving all his men from the Silent Castle and Zartan leading his group away before any harm could come to them, the Commander's Cobra Nation might be in more trouble than he thinks. Okay, four issues here as discussed. I don't necessarily think this forms a storyline that has an ending. It definitely feels like it does go into the next issues. We are going to yo-jo it on the issues that we have read here but um i think what we need is um plot breakdown so yeah it's very much a continuation of of what's come before and as, as you say does it finish as a sort of complete unit in itself well the last words of the final issue of the four issue arc are to be continued yeah <laughs> uh, which suggests possibly not so it's four issue arc cobra nation and we start the arc with uh 
Cobra Commander handing out lobster rolls with Dr. Mindbender to the good citizens of uh, Spring, Springfield. Yeah. Whereupon he uh, spots a young girl called Dawn Moreno, uh, who is looking to join the school lacrosse team. So Dawn here shows off her, her lacrosse skills and takes out a, an entire squad of uh, heavily armoured guys to, to score score the goals. So who knows where she got those skills? Yeah. Who knows if we'll ever find out? I suspect not. Okay. And her, her kind of, her, her part of this four issues is she then gets recruited, doesn't she? And we find out that she attempts to stop an assassinate, assassination attempt on Cobra Commander, but then all after all that plays out, she ends up in the brainwave scanner and, you know, shock horror, ends up implanted with Snake Eye's memories. Now, would you say that was kind of... There's a lot of stuff going on, but would you say that was the main plot or arc through this through these issues? Yeah, probably. Like you say, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in this this arc. There is it's covering a lot of different threads. Yeah. I think that's probably probably the the main one that what we're seeing here is that dawn origin playing out through the course of these four issues. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole other bunch of stuff go, going on. So the Joes Joes are investigating the Cobra sites uh, that were where those Cobra renegades had previously been they meet the mysterious ninja from trieste yes and uh sean snake eyes is given some ninja training yeah with some uh serious ninja bs going on <laughs> there maybe we'll get to that in a in a, in a minute yeah yeah <laughs> actually uh should we play that should we play the jingle for, for ninjas right now okay ninja bullshit ninja bolt it's all the time gi joe and ninja bolt so the the mysterious ninja from Trieste has taken Snake Snake Eyes. I'd like to say version two, but then people are thinking that's the guy with the visor and stuff. So new Snake Eyes into the forest, and he's being taught the thirteen esoteric finger nits. Sure is the mystic techniques inscribed in the secret scroll of the Arikashi. Ar- Arishikage. First time I think I've said that out loud, so apologies. <laughs> what, what I feel like we we need, if, if you're reading that that sequence, is almost uh, Chris's bedoinging machine because he, he's what what the, the his training involves, and and I think I'll try and I might have to do this in like a Beavis and Butthead voice or something. Is <laughs> is is he says as follows? <clears throat> do you feel it throbbing, <clears throat> straining to be released? <clears throat> now I want you to push that energy <clears throat> into your arms into your heads it it lasts only a few seconds and then it can be can't be done for at least six hours there we go <laughs> very, good. very good that's your that's your ninja session of uh, of the week was <laughs> it wasn't my favorite bit all of that glowing hadouken effects and, and yeah. things i like i like my ninjas to be a little bit more grounded in reality yeah but... and he now has a psychic shield which means he can uh, i guess it's a Deus Ex Machina, isn't it? It's it's a uh, get out of jail free card whenever he needs to um, deflect a bullet or stop a sword strike or something like that. Or or grasp the ephemeral. Yes, yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, okay. Um, okay. 
so uh, what what else was going on? So so Cobra, uh, the Cobra Renegade, as I'm calling them, so so um, Tomax and Zaymart and yep. Cesspool and, uh, and and Crystal Ball and Co. They invade Springfield with this elaborate plot to brain to brainwash the the citizens, make them compliant, all to get in front of uh, Cobra Commander, uh, so they can ask to be friends again. Ah, that was a question I had. I didn't understand why they had taken over the town of Springfield's video feed it was it was so they could be hypnotized by crystal ball and be put into a more compliant state i think so that they could get past all of uh, cobra commanders all oh, right so it's purely so that the these higher up the, the hierarchy of the renegades could get into cobra yeah. commander's lair that was it exactly okay. yeah it right. felt a little bit <laughs> a little bit sort of uh, over the top but there we yeah. go yeah that, that kind of how does that play out they just um they they say that they want back in don't they this is where you get that that dawn or the assassination attempt and dawn jumps up on destro and then yeah, Serana's threatening there. to stab him right through the eye that's it that's it um and then we all we all part company happily and uh, elsewhere there's a new character which we'll, we'll come on to in a minute uh, in Oliastan, new Joe, and a remembered kind of Cobra associate, and a new new character that well, I don't think we've heard uh, Cassandra Knox before or not, but I don't, I don't know. You'll you'll tell us when we talk about that. That's kind of the the, the plot in in as it is, but um, yeah, let's move on. Talking points. Okay, so I've got a few things I want to talk about here. You've probably got a few things as well. The first one I'm going to kick off with is, uh, aside from, you know, we kind of discussed the psychic Snake Eyes stuff, but what do you think of Snake Eyes' new outfit? Yeah, I like it. So so it's interesting. They sort of made quite a big point of, of the reveal. It's sort of probably the flashiest page almost of the entire four-issue arc where they're sort of... They, they've got a full figure snake eyes and they're detailing exactly, you know, what is in his new loadout. Yep. Um, Larry likes his gun porn and now he's talking about his TAR-21 in place of the armor of the the visor, night vision goggles, the, these new gas um, respirators on the side, a uh, uh, sidearm with suppressor, etc. Properly, tro- properly tricking out. I'm not a fan. I think the, the headgear makes... Him look a bit insectoid, kind of almost almost looks like a co- stock cobra, viper kind of feel. I don't know, just don't like it at all. Oh dear, I think it's all right. I think I think it's interesting that they're sort of doing this sort of new design with with snake eyes because I guess for much, so much of the uh, time to date, whenever we're seeing a new uh, outfit, it's being driven by a toy. But I, I think and i you know let me be corrected but i think that this is is very much a comic driven design that, right. that hasn't actually appeared in toy form uh, first but yeah i am very happy to be corrected on that if it if it is drawing particular uh, inspiration from a, a a look that we've seen somewhere else yep yep interesting interesting i mean i think it's more evident that they're kind of pushing well i, I suppose when he got introduced he effectively took snake eyes old costume he took his code name he took all his training and pretty much assumed you know his role next to scarlet and it was almost as if okay larry's been told you got to kill him but larry didn't want to kill him so he's not killed him because we've now got a replacement who is to all intents and purposes the same person this is the first time we i guess we've seen i don't know it's only happened recently but this is the first indication that he is moving away to become his own entity almost 
Yeah, so I guess he's got his brand new design, his own favoured weapons. He's also getting some ninja training to, to you know, finish off the, his, his, his training. So, you know, making distinct that, you know, he's still got, he's still on his journey with his own distinct set of skills. Okay, uh, anything you want to specifically talk about from these issues? Uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, the female cobras that, that you talked about that said yeah. you think we've got a couple of new ones there so so we've obviously got um bombshell as the the new joe who's introduced on bomb training. strike i think is it bomb strike yep yeah. i uh I, I keep I've, in my notes i kept on writing it down wrong and yeah. uh, now i've said it out right wrong as well but yeah there we go bomb well, this, strike. This, this was and kind of tying on to what you've said i've actually written down this is another talking point for me is i've actually written down new characters and specifically four new female characters so yeah let, let's carry on bomb strike yeah. being one of them so bomb strike yeah i think we've seen her in the background of an issue relatively recently but this is her probably being front and and center and And um, she seems to be some kind of um covert insertion um operative i don't know i don't know what her kind of specialties are yet but she's gone into aliastan and this is where she encounters that cassandra knox woman yeah so she meets Dr. Biggles Jones, first of all. Yep. So she was the developer of the railgun, who we saw in that GI Joe featuring Snake Eyes arc of uh, one five one three five to one forty, where they met the Transformers. Yep, yep. And we last saw her in the pages of the comic, being taken into space by Megatron. Yes. I think her story continued on in the pages of Transformer Transformers generation two so so she's making a a return and dr cassandra knox is actually returning from a one issue appearance in issue 153 the shadow of the bat okay which was that issue where scarlet was being hunted by uh, a new tricked out bat and was one issue that wasn't uh actually written by larry hammer so Ah, interesting a return of a character that he didn't actually originate, but one of those sort of fan favourite characters who, who who will will have inevitably been uh, asked for many times. Both both of these uh, these right. female cobras, okay. I imagine, regularly asked for. So yep. probably succumbing a little bit to to fan pressure there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also get a character called Akane or Akane. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. She yeah. is a female character who was leader of the Red Ninjas. Yeah, so they describe her as a, a sort of mysterious ninja who's who's not been seen for many years, but she only looks about ten. So <laughs> <laughs> whether she whether whether she was five the last time that she was spotted with her amazing ninja prowess, I don't know. But yeah, that's sort of obviously been set up as a as a potential character yeah. uh, to to follow up on down the yeah. line because of course we need more. Yeah, I was going to say, and do we really need more ninjas? By the way the storyline's going, it looks like we're getting another one because, as we've pre-mentioned, Dawn was another introduction here and she's now getting Snake Eyes memories. So we've got four, four, uh, like you said, maybe Cassandra Knox and Bomb Strike have appeared one issues previously, but to all intents and purposes we've got four new characters who seem to be, all female, who seem to be getting... Uh, are going to be getting some good page time coming up do you think this was an intentional move by larry or idw to put more diversity into the book it definitely was because did you actually notice the big gimmick from issue 228 no so if you look at uh, brian shearer's variant cover to the issue that uh oh actually yeah 
Okay. Uh, 228, variant cover. Ah, all the females, yeah, yeah. All the females. So so we've got uh, the cover is actually echoing who's in uh, the, the issue. All female issue. There is no men in that issue at all. Oh, shit. See, this is, again, stuff I didn't even pick up any of that. So, so there's a thing called the Bechdel test, which is a measure of representation of women in fiction, right. and it asks whether a whether a work features at least two women who yes. talk to each other about something other than a man. And you can definitely say 100% that this issue passes that test because wow. lots of women, lots of talking, lots of action, and no men. I would not. I I read this twice again this morning and did not even pick up on that until you've mentioned it right then yeah i didn't even actually think about it too hard my myself it was it was it was triggered by a comment in the letters column from uh, from the editor who who said uh, readers you've read what might be one of my favorite gi joe ara issues ever eagle-eyed readers might have noticed something unique about this issue i don't want to spoil it for everyone that hasn't figured it out but give it another read and see if you catch it uh and I was like, what? What is it? And then, uh, yeah. All oh, right, so you didn't spot it the first time around either then? No. Yeah, without that comment, I probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't have actually consciously figured it out. So, yeah, no, it's, it, was a, it was a good, it was a strong issue. And I think, you know, lots of strong characters there. And it didn't feel like, you know, it obviously was a little bit forced because it was intend, intended. But, yeah. but we, you know, on first read through, didn't really notice it. It felt yeah. very... Uh, very natural to see see all of those characters. And yeah, I was going to say, any any other talking points you want to? Uh, so uh, yeah, for this one. So Duke, um, his his wife has been captured and been away for you know many years. Yes. And then uh, returns to him, but he's back in uh, back in work, um, and he and he says, I just need to get my routine normalised again. Roadblock. Claire has applied for a position at a major hospital in Ogden, and she got the job. Uh, there's a weekly C- C-130 supply run between the pit and the hill AF- uh, AFB, so they can hitch a ride on, and we can have weekends together like normal people. They say normalized and normal people a couple of times in that yeah. bit. But his wife and him do not have a normal relationship. No, you don't no. you don't go uh, years and years with your wife being held captive in uh, off off in the middle east somewhere without mentioning it maybe once and then when she when you're reunited you don't try and rush back to work the the following day and say yeah we can just see each other on the weekends yeah. that's fine yeah and that's this normal. for me this is the most interesting plot point that i want to see play out because all the other stuff we've kind of seen before but this one where at the end of the issue where you know she's pulled a gun on jane and she's got the she's got some call from some some random guy. Um, there's people in Paris and benzene, and you don't really know what's going on. Then she's is she deep deep undercover? Is she a double agent? But lots of intrigue here, lots and this is the storyline that I really am most interested in seeing play out. Yeah, and and I think it was S. Jobs said before. Sometimes you can read the writing in the in the book and think, hold on, what has Larry been watching or reading? And and possibly he's been he's he's been catching up on his box sets of Homelands in this one. Right. So we've got a, a brainwashed uh, American who's who's been away for a few years, back in and and acting like some sort of a sleeper agent who's yeah. been uh, awakened. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see yeah. uh, how this one plays out. Definitely, that's intriguing. That's intriguing for me. One other, uh, one other thing I've got to touch on here is actually, um, who is Jodie? Because they mentioned Covergirl and uh, who else is it? 
it's Lady J. She's Lady J. Go yeah. to to see a woman to basically tell her her daughter's dead. Yeah. So so this is a really deep cut, and it's no surprise that you didn't actually tweet okay. what was going on here. So this is Jodie Craig, who right. is codename Shooter. So you might remember from uh, the pages of issue one of G.I. Joe. Yeah, there's a crossed they, out head. There's a little head there, and it says underneath Shooter, and it yeah. was done as a throwaway joke to the editor at the time, Jim Shooter, uh, Marvel. Ah. And it's something that's played on uh, Larry's mind ever since then. And, and I, th- I think was a little bit annoyed about because it was done, you know, put in there by the letter or whoever is a little bit of a, as a, an in-joke. Right. He's like, no, we don't have a shooter on our team. Right. And so he actually revisited that uh, in the pages of the Devil's Due production series, G.I. Joe Declassified, okay. where they talk about a secret origin story of, of the Joe, where they talk about this character, Shooter, who yep. is uh, Jodie Craig. And in that book, uh, she dies. And at the end of the book, uh, there's actually a scene that very much mirrors this one, where Hawk visits her mother in the same church uh, to let her know that she had died. And and so this this is this is sort of mirroring that at the time he, he was sort of saying that, you know, your daughter is, has died. Um, and and it's like how you know how did uh, someone who's just in the chaplain school sort of die on a mission? Yeah. Uh, whereas now they're they're saying, uh, you know, she was very brave and and she's got all of these medals that we can now tell you. So it's kind of an update to that. Are there? There's no breadcrumbs to to suggest that at all, though, is there? If you'd never encountered that that Devil's Due series, yes. not really. Okay. You'd, you'd have had to, you'd have had to uh, have found her name and googled okay. it. Well, I've got that. <laughs> I've got all the Devil's Devil's Due books, but I haven't read them for fifteen years or whatever. So, yeah. um, obviously, but, I'm not going to remember that. What, what I found interesting about that scene was that they got the, the mum got sort of very argumentative in one bit, uh, talking about uh, the different Bible versions that Scarlett was quoting from the the uh, NIV versus the KJV, the New International right. Version yes. versus the King Get James versions, which I think is the the typical Hammer sort of providing little factoids okay. in, in 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 sort of everyday speech yeah. that um, is you know just a little bit of knowledge that he's trying to leave uh, leave her in 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 there. Yeah. Very quick shout out before we move on to the next thing, uh, but I, I really liked and I'm looking forward to seeing this play out. Hopefully, it does. We get a few pages, a scant few pages at the start of two two nine of the whale with uh, Ooh, torpedo, yeah, we didn't talk about this uh, at all. cutter, deep six, and shipwreck, and we get some eel action. Very James Bondy, spy love me, and it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Eels up inside, ya. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice little uh, just five-page sequence, I, th- I, th- I think. Uh, one, two, three, four under... pages. Only four okay. pages. And yeah, it, it sort of starts off the issue, but then we don't see it again. So, no. so we'd expect, I guess, it to be a plot point that gets picked up probably in in the the next one. So, yep. so that about... that and the um, the Claire situation are the two things I'm, I'm most looking forward to here. But uh, yeah, as as always, Chief is a little bit confused. Am I stupid? Right, I've got a question, and uh, maybe you're the man to answer it. Now, if you recall, Cobra Commander believed he had blown up the Zartan Destro enclave of Renegades, but then it turned out that Tomax and Zaymot had somehow switched the video feed, so Cobra Commander didn't... He saw that it had been blown up, but they didn't actually blow up. But I thought that got broadcast out on 
every television network. Now here, the Joes send a recon team in to investigate, so they would have seen this building blown up. But when they get there, everything's still intact. But they don't mention anything about it. They're not like, holy shit, this should be smouldering rubble, but it's just clearly still an office block. What's happened there is that they've seen uh, the footage on WCBR. Your news, our way. That's the internal Cobra news channel, right. which uh, we see being invaded, I think, in issue 226. So it's uh, an internal Cobra channel that, they, that those guys can see because they're in a Cobra office, but the G.I. Joes don't have access to because their intelligence gathering is... Stuff. okay so they were just sending a recon team to a a known location that's not right. knowing that it's blown up all right very good very good sir very good sir yeah okay what have we got next i i had a little i had a, a, oh. a sort of uh, a bit of con- confusion to uh to, to ask about so well you're asking the wrong man here but go on we we the jinx jinx and scarlet go into into a, a tardis shop with which is you know full to the brim of weapons yes isn't this the kind of thing that GI Joe should be targeting targeting to shut down? Most probably. <laughs> illegal, massive industrial weapon shop yes. that is probably, for the most part, catering to criminals and terrorists. Unless they are monitoring it um, and they are they're aware of what's transpiring, they're just waiting for the big sting. Intelligence gathering. Yes. I like it. Give yes. that man a no prize. <laughs> so their intelligence on uh, Cobra being able to hack Cobra TV is poor, but their intelligence on being able to spy on weapon shops is good. We've learnt. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we've got another favourite coming up. What is it, S. Jobs? Favourite line of dialogue. Okay. Um, I am going first again. So my favourite line of dialogue actually comes on. Um, is it page two of the first issue, 226? And Cobra Commander, Mindbender, in this... I actually own page one. Where they're oh, do in, you? Yeah, where they're in the truck. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I'll put that up on the socials. I bought it off Brian Shearer on eBay just because I thought it was just so yeah, ridiculously bonkers. silly. Um, you're <laughs> either on board with the silliness here or you're not. So I think I am. It's, it's funny because actually I picked page one this page this page that you've got yeah. is my favorite dialogue ah uh, so uh, from, well i'm on page two my it, it, favorite line of dialogue is cobra commander saying no we don't serve ice cream only boiled anthropods on baked grain products <laughs> and what's yours then yours is on page one we are mid- mingling with underlings my mind bender establishing rapport with the hoi polloi they'll love us for this there is much goodwill generated by grati comestibles especially such Patrician victuals as lobster eyes rolls. Why the very name triggers endorphins. <laughs> there we go. There's there's nothing quite like uh like a cobra commander bit of uh, monologuing. Yeah, uh, yeah. is uh, very good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now it's time for things that we might have spotted. I spy with my little eye. Okay, so this is uh, little Easter eggs that we might have spotted or just things we want to point out very quickly. I really like the, you've mentioned it already, the addition of the TARDIS in that shot. <laughs> I thought that was quite Again, fun. I think this is the third TARDIS that we've had in the series. Okay, and uh, my favourite though is in the all-female issue, Baroness rocks up in the Stinger. Love it. Love a cameo Ooh, from a Stinger. Yeah. Really, really cool. So Very good Stinger. Did you, did you spot anything? Any little cameos? I spotted a, a few, few or... little things. I liked, the, I liked on that same page there was a reference to 
Ozymandias from the poem by uh, Shelley. Yep. And uh, the cent- uh, where Cobra's talking about, you know, that the he'll leave behind an enduring legacy, whereas the actual underlying theme of that, that poem is the inevitable decline of uh, rulers with their pretensions to greatness. Oh, wow. Uh, You've nice got a deep on the Easter egg there. <laughs> and here's a little one. It's especially good for you with, with owning the page. Yes. Uh, the logo on that uh, lobster van is Ebira Edibles. Yes. What does that mean? So, Ebera is a crustacean kaiju film monster mm. who first appeared in the 1966 film uh, Ebera Horror of the Deep. So, in the grand tradition of, of things like Mothra and Godzilla and, yep. and all these kind of things. So, uh, deep cut there from, uh, oh, nice. I'm assuming, Galant. In, I like this little reference in, in 227 to, uh, to Law Vipers. Yes. There's, uh, there's a figure that's dying to be made. <laughs> And on 227, there's a a lovely little bit uh, in there where the Cobras, after they've sort of had their little uh, confrontation with Cobra commanders, they're sort of regrouping and having a little discussion in the uh, Springfield Diner. And there's that shot of them from the outside of the diner looking in, which is a uh, is a again an homage to the uh, famous painting by Edward Hopper from 1942, Nighthawks. Uh, probably the most famous example of the American real- realism movement. Wow, uh, you've set a precedent here for deep cuts, so uh, you've got to live up to that each and every week, my friend. Only if Larry writes them and, yep. and uh, Shannon draws them. And only them. if you're not broken and replaced. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time for uh, one more little bit of comic talk. Okay, new segment, uh, new, well, not new segment, new part of the segment. Who is your MVP for these four issues? MVP. So, yeah, we've not talked about her too much, but uh, actually Bomb Strike would be my MVP. Okay, so nice. There's a nice little bit of uh, an action sequence with with her in, in these uh, couple of issues where she's confronting uh, Dr. Biggles, uh, Biggles Jones. And uh, yeah, particularly there's there's that little bit little bit of action where they're sort of tumbling down the uh, the elevator shaft there, and she's uh, chucking at she's getting, somehow grabbing onto a cable, attaching it, and having a discussion all at the same time in midair, uh, as well as grabbing uh, yep. as grabbing Doctor Knox. So some some proper ninja skills in there as as well. But it's uh, yeah, it was it was I think a very good introduction to a a brand new. Uh, character with a properly, you know, fleshed out uh, appearance, rather than just sticking it as a as a little cameo in in the back of a panel somewhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know that we've had necessarily that many in in this new IDW run where Larry has gone uh, gone to the well of characters and picked one out that that exists, particularly from the modern era. And uh, inserted it into the um, into the into the into the story in such a, a prominent way, way. So yeah, it was it was good, and it, I think it injected quite a lot of uh, energy into the into the story in much the way, same way that you know uh, S. Jobs was talking about how the uh, the old ARA run was propelled along with a lot of energy by the addition of all of these new vehicles and characters that that Larry was being asked to in, introduce, yeah. and that meant that that. You know, it was creating new story ideas and new dynamics 
each time regardless of what's going on in his own uh, in his own sort of story world he, there were certain things to it to include and so i think you know this this created a lot of uh, energy in propelling it along in a in a similar sort of way there was that that, that little sequence as well sort of made me start thinking about the G.I. Joe's being this super classified task force that has to remain super secret. So, uh, you know, which is why they gave uh, Wendeling Torres the uh, the kudos for that mission before. But it, it seems like uh, it seems like Cobra, despite the, despite uh, Bombstrike being uh, a brand new G.I. Joe and this is her first major mission, uh, they've already got her file card to hand, recognize her by sight and know everything uh, about her. So by keeping G.I. Joe secret, I don't know who they're keeping it secret from because it's sure as hell ain't cobra yeah yeah <laughs> and i think uh, i wanted to say zarana as my mvp but i don't Ooh. think she's in it enough nice little bits of um play with dawn where she gets her knife stolen and then kind of cuts her hand when she takes it back and then with the paintball stuff but i'm actually going bomb strike as well pretty much for all the reasons you mentioned and prior to her going on mission you get the kind of the standard trope of you think she's on a mission but it actually is mm-hmm. just a training exercise but that's kind of a nice introduction yeah. and then you get to see her on mission so it's, it's laying the ground for as well. it as well which is you know it's thinking uh, thinking more than one page ahead yeah thanks yeah. larry yeah. um so <laughs> um, okay cool <laughs> that's, so that's we've kind of suggested that this isn't really the end of an arc but let's give it a yo-jo anyway for the issues we've just read so as the i'm gonna let you go first this time um what, what what's Yo, Joey, here. Yeah, I, I sort of stopped reading the the issues around about this this point, and so anything I have read, I've completely forgotten. So it's 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 like reading an entirely new uh, set of GI Joe stories, and, and um, I like the way that that Larry's sort of balancing all of these different storylines and, and laying out track for stuff to, to 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 come. The art is really on point from Shannon as always. So I actually really quite uh, enjoyed it. So I would give it, um, I don't know, seven, solid seven. Seven Yojo Colas from Funky Bunch. The Chief, I don't know, I I feel like the majority of it we've seen before, it's okay, uh, I'm coming in with a six. Yep, that's it, that's the first Yojo which is on the board for the all-new Talking Joe. Uh, hopefully we can talk about toys. Mark talks about toys, ho ho, he talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Okay, what have you got for us, uh, Mr. Seddon? Okay, so I think let's continue this this uh, this theme. So do you want to have a, a guess about who I am going to talk about? Cover Girl. Cover Girl. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I guess she probably hasn't been talked about before. But not so. her. Not her. It would have been, yeah, interesting, but uh, not. There's, uh, there's, an, there's a really obvious one based on what we've talked about so far about who maybe we would talk about. Oh, Bomb Strike. So, uh, Bomb Strike, who featured in 2005 Venom versus Valor with a twen- uh, version two from the 25th anniversary in 2015. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Not her. Um, <laughs> put me out my misery. Okay, I'm going to send you a WhatsApp in the grand tradition of the show. It is. And I hope this hasn't been covered before. There's a good chance that Chris might have done it. But uh, it is the Crimson Guard Immortal yes. covered in issue 226 from 1991. Okay. Now, I am completely unfamiliar with this. I didn't even know this was a character, let alone a toy. 
Yeah, so so it featured this guy featured quite prominently in issue two two six, which is kind of what made me decide to feature feature him. So I'm just trying to flick across to to the the page. So it's as Tomax and Zamot are coming out to invade the TV station. Yep. They're flanked with a a brace of, ooh, I'm counting at least eight there. Uh, Crimson Guard Immortals okay. uh, behind them, and uh, they're a, uh, a a figure that hasn't really got much airtime in the book uh, at all. They came out in 1991, which was, you know, as the line was beginning to flag a little bit. A lot of people were sort of, uh, were, you know, outgrowing it by 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 that point, who'd been, you know, young collectors uh, originally, and and sort of at that period they were going a little bit back to the well and they were beginning to issue some v2 figures of some of those original fav- favorites so i think in the same year they had the version 2 snow serpent and the version 2 eels and they had uh ali version 2 ali viper coming down the line as as well so it, very much in that kind of spirit they, they're sort of thinking back to those classic cobra villains well troopers and sort of reissuing them with a with an update. So this this is one of those. So it's, uh, the Crimson Guard is very much a sort of update to the uh, original uh, Crimson Guard. So these guys wouldn't be running around next to Crimson Guards. They're not they're not uh, different specialties. They are effectively just updates on the same person. Same. Yeah. So in the in the file card, there's not a huge amount that actually differentiates them from from the original Crimson Guard. Do you wanna do you wanna hear the blurb? Uh, yeah, give me the blurb. Yeah. So, Crimson Guard Immortals are fanatical super soldiers who swear a fearsome oath of absolute obedience to Cobra Commander. Advanced weapons systems marksmen and martial arts experts, they are the most formidable fighters in the Cobra Legions. A CG, when not serving as a personal bodyguard to the Head Snake, is involved in covert operations around the country under deep cover, assuming an apparently normal occupation and frequently running for public office. The Immortals are lawyers or accountants who pump iron, wear body armour and carry big guns. What they can't get by stomping and shooting, they'll get by suing and auditing. So the the main, I guess, differentiating factor between these and the original, uh, you know, Cobra yeah. uh, Crimson Guards, uh, are the big silver chest plates. Yes. Um, are you a fan and, of this? Are you a fan of this figure? And, and they're giant guns, so they had these massive uh, double-barreled missile launcher. Uh, with a nice little pl- play fit feature where you put in the missile and you can flick them and they'll fly across the, the room. So for me, I loved the uh, original Co- uh, Crimson Guard. Of course. And I think that's a, a design that is close to perfection. You know, we're talking about top, top tens of our figures. The Crimson Guard's definitely going to be in there. Yep. And it's very hard to top perfection, which is, I think, the shadow that uh, the Crimson Guard Immortal will fall under but you know for those fanatical fans who want to have their army builders yep. and want to have a uh, a crimson guard subdivision yes then then sort of a nice little extra design yeah. and speciality to fill out those ranks i don't I'm like sure the name very... i don't like the name crimson guard immortal just doesn't it's sound a little right. bit arbitrary isn't it yeah it's like let's let's say crimson guard and add an extra cool world cool word to slightly differentiate now, it from what's that. that hanging down his right leg is that part of the gun is that yeah that's magazine like a, or something from the gu- oh a, that goes around to the back ammo, does it an ammo, an ammo belt that ah. connects the machine gun bit of his gun Got to it. his uh, backpack okay kind of like a slim down version of rock and rolls almost a little bit like that yeah same kind of okay. uh, vibe and he's got the he's got two of them so it is that kind of double-handed okay um 
look that the rock and roll. Right. He's growing. The figures actually. The more I look at it, the figures growing on me a little bit. But um, like you say, it's difficult to top or one up something that was so good in original format. But but yeah, he's, I think he's he's okay. I don't I don't think he's a stinker at all. But yeah, you'd ex- you'd expect him. You know, in in you know playtime yes. as it were that you'd you'd expect this guy to be more like the 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 heavy hitter. Yeah. Um, Crimson. And guard. what year so, was this? So Sorry, breaking out the. Uh, the launchers this is 1991 and interesting that larry didn't include him in the marvel run then yeah it is interesting it's yeah i don't i don't know why the, they overlooked him in yeah. in that that run but i guess he was such a such a fan of yeah. the original crimson guard that that why shoehorn in this guy well good stuff i'm always happy to talk about um characters that you know i'm not necessarily aware of i haven't seen before well happy to talk about any characters to be honest but uh there'll be more toy talk next week but right now... You're listening to Talking Joe, and now for something completely different. The Star Wars Galaxy sure has a lot of playgrounds. Playgrounds. Jedi Knights, Evil Sith, Bounty Hunters, all doing the rounds. Doing the rounds. But there's a guy so cool, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Now expand your mind and be a Star Wars historian. Historian. It's 10 Minute Mando. He's chasing a star. It's 10 Minute Mando. He loves Beskar. It's 10 Minute Mando. In a galaxy far, far away. Whoa, what is this? This is not G.I. Joe related. That's right, people. This is, uh, we're breaking up the show. This is a new segment called 10 Minute Mando. In fact, uh, let me go to my, how do I do this? Go to my clock. I'm going to my stopwatch. I'm putting 10 minutes on the clock go this is a section called 10 minute mando we are going to be discussing episodes one and two of season one of the mandalorian uh, until we get after four weeks then hopefully season two will be out and we'll be discussing uh, each and every week the new episode of the mandalorian as watched on disney plus channel so we just fancy the break we just fancy talking about it and i'm sure there's many joe fans who are also star wars fans so uh, with that in mind let's go we're 25 seconds deep into our 10 minutes <laughs> i watched episodes one and two this morning uh, hopefully you've watched them otherwise this segment yep. is going to be shorter than 10 minutes what do we think good Okay. That the end? That's the end. Now, I remember <laughs> when these came out, I was lukewarmish on them. I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm down for a Star Wars live-action show, but I wasn't 100% sure that a character that wasn't going to talk much as the lead was going to be my first choice. Watched them, thought, yeah, this is okay, but I thought very middling. Now, this next time around on the rewatch, enjoyed episodes one and two much much more than the first time round, which is quite pleasing for me yeah it's probably just overcoming that little bump in the road where you've got an expectation of what it's going to be yeah. and it not being that thing yeah but yeah it's definitely its own its own beast and it's it's coming you know it's coming from a different place in the star wars universe which is very much particularly this first issue a, a gunslinging sci-fi western you know that introduction yeah uh, very you know almost the very first scene he's framed in that doorway like a, a classic western Clint gunslinger Eastwood, yeah, swaggering yeah. into a, swaggering into a, a bar a saloon let's say yes and i've got can i can i put in a, a massive fact drop now yeah because you already so the the guy in the suit a lot of the time wasn't pedro pascal the who, who voices mando right but uh, some some other uh, body performers and, and stunt artists and, and so on and so a lot of the on-set work is is done by another guy called brendan wayne right and so that that this guy brendan wayne is the grandson of john wayne oh no way 
quite quite a cool little yeah. thing in the west in the tradition of those uh, those westerns. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that that opening scene, like you said, very westernish. Really like it. Sets the character out. All you need to know in those first five minutes. He's a badass. You don't mess with him. If he wants his bounty, his target, he's going to get it. And you know, freezes that guy in carbonite on his ship early on, which shows he's not messing around. And really like that bit where you know, obviously anytime Carl Weathers pops up is great so mm-hmm. that was cool and that that scene where you first see the stormtroopers that's kind of a goosebumpy moment because you know when was the last time you know you saw classic storm classic stormtroopers storm yeah. dirty dirty stormtroopers yeah, yeah really really nice and um, <laughs> the guy I don't know who the, the guy is the actor I can't even remember what the character's name is but the the foreign guy who's giving him the deal so we're talking here about Werner Herzog oh is that Clients. Werner Herzog Okay, yeah. director. So this this is the director and uh, and narrator of documentaries and, and whatnot. Ah, so, okay, right. I didn't uh, realize that was making him. A, a rare on screen appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camera. He was great. He was really good. Really kind of, yeah. you know, scumbagish, sinister kind of guy. And um, yeah, re- really enjoyed it. And like you said, it turns into a big shootout. IG assassin droids showing up. That was quality and very violent. I thought though, very <laughs> Lots violent of killings. Yeah. yeah, especially when you go on to episode two, he is just murdering Jowers for fun. <laughs> like those poor Jowers, <laughs> proper, proper. But um, the how obviously the reveal when when you saw the reveal of episode one for the first time, and it's this <laughs> little uh, baby Yoda thing, which for yeah. me I still don't like. I think it's the worst thing of the whole show. That stupid little baby Yoda thing should have been yeah, assassinated think... in, in episode one. <laughs> Obviously, it's a big part of uh, the show and a big part of the overall arc. I think it's been somewhat sullied by all of the all of the merchandising on the on the back of it. If it was its own thing, yeah, with, without all of that, then I think it would be a, a cleaner, purer uh, viewing experience. But yeah. but yeah, let's let's not have Yoda merchandise all over the place, please. Yeah, but do you remember? Did you did you remember the reveal? And did, were you aware of the spoiler? Did you know what it was going to be? Um, I'm struggling now. I tried my damned hardest to avoid the spoiler. I don't know if I actually succeeded or not because right. it was just everywhere. But I I tried my hardest. Uh, but okay. yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what. Yeah, I what obviously happened can't in that, remember. But um... that minute. But um, what what struck me about that, particularly the first episode, was about how much they're just trying to embed the Star Wars universe in it, in all of these little, um, you know, little ways, uh, sort of, that, that, you know, just show a genuine love for that for that uh, world. You know, you've got that, um, you know, the, the, the alien with the with the long nose, who's that, oh, who's yeah. that snitch from, snitch from um, episode four. Yeah, Garandan. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's like ooh, uh, he's like ooh. the taxi taxi yeah. man. He calls the yeah, taxi. Yeah, the taxi man calling up for the guys from the the rank. Yeah, you had uh, you had the the squid face uh, guy oh, the quarren. and yeah. and the uh, and just as that that speeder came up to the taxi rank as it as it as it were and then sped sped away. That you know, there's such a big echo of that 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 shot of Luke speeding along yep, in uh, tattoo Tatooine yep. and you know the oh when they were when they were going up to to meet the client that eye on the stalk oh yeah, popping yeah. out just like a Jabba's palace yep. you know that that big boxy robot waddling uh waddling along yeah um and just sort of utilizing that the alien races that already existed in that universe like um the bosk uh style aliens that that ambushed them at the episode uh, the beginning of episode uh two yeah yeah very cool very cool um like you said it's um 
Oh, and Salacious B. Crumb. Oh, yeah, being roasted on the fire. <laughs> that was lovely. And one in a cage. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And um, what struck me, monkey. though, what struck me, though, as being quite a bold choice is you'd think that they'd have three episodes to kind of set up this opening arc and the plot and where it's going. But then episode two is a comedy episode. You're suddenly chucked in with <laughs> a load of jowers. Uh, dancing around trying to eat the yolk out of an egg it's it's, it's madness love it, though. it That's, I thought episode 2 was fantastic <laughs> it was a lot of fun just him ah, oh, just him blasting those jowers oh, and chucking, chucking them out, the chucking top out of the, the windows oh it's absolutely brutal him, him getting up to the top of the sand crawler getting shot by the energy bolt pausing yeah. for just that brief millisecond before falling back just like R2 yeah uh, yeah, it's Jowicide. He's just on a mission, and then. But they, you know, despite wasting a whole bunch of their buddies, they, you know, they, they don't hold it against. No, well, he says he because obviously he's met up with that dude. Is that Nick Nolte voicing the? Uh... It is Nick Nolte uh, voicing uh, that guy, the Kuil. Uh, I think he's called. Okay. I don't know how you pronounce um, the race. It's like uh, Ugnaut or something. Like Ugnaut, yeah. Which is when I first saw it, I was like, I think I should know who that is, but but yeah, because I guess of the the beard and stuff, it. it um, but yeah, yeah. the uh, Argonauts off of um, they're on Bespin, aren't they? M- M- in Bespin and, and also used uh, in the animated series, right? So in, in Rebels, I think. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he's he's chomping along on some kind of creature, and but you know he says um, to to Mando, he says Man- uh, Mando wants to trade, obviously, the parts of his ship for this egg, and he's like, yeah, but you did kill a lot of their their friends. And he's like, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So. Um, but yeah, then he has to fight some creature to get this egg. It's oh, it's very bizarre, but um, a lot of fun, I thought. And just whenever the Jawas are talking in that kind of dialect, I just find it very very satisfying and Dear, and yeah. humorous i just i just really like the jail i'm i said to uh ben offline um this morning after having watched it i was like i think i finally have come round to loving jowers i always liked jowers but now having watched that i was like these guys are amazing i love jowers and uh, one little touch they had on the jowers they gave them red eyes rather than yeah Yellow eyes. Yeah, well, that's that's because they're off-world Jawas. You can buy that off-world. figure as a black series. It's called the Off-World Jawa, uh-huh. and because they are supposed to be native to Tatooine, and obviously this wherever they are on this planet, it's never name-checked. I don't believe what this planet is, but it's not Tatooine. Obviously, they have yeah, managed to it's... get off-world, which is why they're off-world Jawas. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a deep cut in there somewhere where the name of the planet is written in. I think in the Star Wars language is Arabesh or something like that. Right. Um, so there is a name to the planet. Oh, is there? I'm not going to say it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. But uh, yeah. So uh, I wrote down Lone Wolf and Cub, particularly around episode two. Yes. Uh, you know the the sort of samurai, the lone samurai, almost sort of transporting uh, the young yeah, child. Yeah. In the, it, uh, it definitely in feels the like they're channeling quite a few different things, like the Western vibe, then that kind of feudal Japanese lone wolf and cub ronin vibe as well it's like a mishmash all in the Star Wars universe with familiar nods to things we've seen before but also new settings and new vibes which is um you know really good so yeah I think I think I'm gonna enjoy this rewatch um then moving on to season two when we finally get there yeah Whoa, that, that, that is time up on minutes. 10 Minute Mando. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about IG-11. Well, that's tough. we got 10 minutes and that's the end of it. You'll have to save that till the next one. Or, or Dave Filoni, his first yeah, no, live action. Yeah, oh. tough. Um, yeah, long we'll, time we'll, um, John Clone Favreau Wars. writing. 
Yeah, no, that's done. That's done. Uh, ten minutes. All you get. It's not. It's not the ten minutes and twenty second, Mando. Okay, I get it. You have spoken. Yes, yes. That's the rules <laughs> of the game. Anyway, uh, more Mando next week. And if you want to skip it, at least you know it. You got to go forward exactly ten minutes. Yes, exactly ten minutes. Yes, yes. Uh, right now, though, I don't think we have a listener question for this episode. But I think you might want to pose one for the listeners that we can cover on the next episode. Okay. All right. So, Marcus, listeners, a question. Marcus, listeners, a question. He's going to come up with a question right about now, and then you'll have a couple of days to answer it on social media before we then talk about it on next week's show. Very good. Right. Very good. So, my question for this this week is that uh, I'm doing a bookbinding project. So I don't. So Chief has definitely talked about this stuff on on the show before. He's got a sweet. Uh, bound collection of the original ARA books uh, you know bundle up about 20 issues into a hardback uh, collection uh, and so you can read them all nice together in the original format with all the letter pages and stuff and, and they display nicely on the shelf so uh, I've done that for a, a big bunch of the, the books but not the original ARA run so I'm getting on to on to do that and the the question I want to ask the the listeners is that for that ultimate bound collection experience what should i be adding as bonus content in the back of the book so i like to have nice little extras in there so maybe like an interview maybe some uh, hard to find variant cover uh, art maybe uh, a little story that's only ever appeared online somewhere you know if you've got your 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 perfect run of gi joe what extras would you be putting in, in the back as, as additional content beyond just the comics themselves we're talking about the marvel run I- era so anything from that era are we yeah the marvel the marvel era issue one up to issue 155 uh, and excluding the obvious like special missions yearbook order of battle okay so maybe not maybe not a marvel published book a comic book but maybe like you say extra pin-ups or things that have been found elsewhere yeah okay that's good that's good because then you can say chief you didn't include all this stuff in your binds but the ones i did were very early on in my binding career so to speak so they're pretty basic and if i did it again i would probably do it differently but happy with what i've got but i think mark you're going to be able to produce the ultimate version of that so i'm really excited to see where you where you go with this and what suggestions people have got for including things and i've got my marvel special missions book winging its way back to me uh, as we speak so i should be able to share that on the socials yeah and that's brilliant. some nice extras in in the back of uh some original art scans and that kind of thing very cool very cool um right get your get your responses to that up in all the usual places you'll see the question up on twitter facebook instagram and all that and talking along those lines you can catch us in all the usual places that's twitter it's talking underscore joe instagram is talking joe comics hit us up on email it's talking joe comics at gmail.com or join the facebook group if you haven't done so already that's talking joe a gi joe podcast lots of good chat there uh, if you want to leave us a review on apple ipods on um on itunes you can do that the little purple icon give us five stars tell them that uh, chief needs a new co-host and um, whatever you want just tell us give us five stars whatever you want but uh, can the are, are you active on the social media can people look at any of your stuff going on yeah so people can find me on the uh, the talking joe facebook group lots of posting going on there and if they want to find me specifically you can find me as uh, sedonism that's s e d d o n i s m 
at uh, Twitter. Yep, on the Twitter, you can find me, Chiefy Two Shoes, Chief, then a Y, number two shoes. I'm on Instagram, putting up daily art posts and some of my new toy photography. Very amateurish, so please go easy on me. And same on Twitter as well. But this ending has never been more apt because with all that said and done, we will catch you down the road. We've been talking, Joe, and we're all out as co-presenters. I mean Joe's. Joe's, whatever, whatever. We'll see you next week, people. Bye-bye. I'm done. I'm not coming back.